On today's episode, especially during times like Pride Month, how can we get along with those who disagree with us? And how can we have an argument without becoming contentious? All that and more today on this episode of Sit Down with Sky and Preston. Welcome back, everybody. We're back. That's what welcome back means. (laughs) (laughs) Never know how to start these, but... That works for today. Preston, how are you? I am great. great. A little sleep deprived, but now why great. are you sleep deprived? Because I finally finished my book. Yeet. Exciting. So, yep. Pod or the pre-order for the Kindle version is live. So when it, it's live right now, people can go on and purchase pre-order it right it. now. Yep. We'll we'll link that. We'll post about that. Sweet. Thank you for your patronage. You're welcome. Or you're advertising. Or, oh, you're you're talking to the listeners. No, to you. Oh, oh, <laughs> that was directed at you, but I guess it applies to you. Did send me the link first, and I do want to be the very first one to buy it. So okay, I will let you have that right. Thank you. Granted, this is just the Kindle version. The paperback version is getting ready to be released at the same day, which mm-hmm. is the 29th in two weeks from Wednesday. So. June 29th. That's the day that the Kindle and the paperback will be released. June 29th. Mm-hmm. And then Sky's going to help me record it yeah. for like an Audible. An so. auto, auto, auto book? Audio book. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. An auto book. <laughs> like, an it auto sounds book. like it's about cars. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanics with Preston. Oh, yeah. That'll go real well. How I melted my first car. <laughs> is that, tr- is that oh, a yeah, true story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I owned a Jetta, melted the engine, and my dad was like, well, did you ever change the oil? And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you are just feeding right no, into those stereotypes, audio aren't you? Audiobook, not autobook. Oh, yeah, I guess there is a stereotype <laughs> about that. An audiobook that, yeah. yeah, will be recorded using this very equipment right yes. here. Yes. Oh. So that's exciting. So stay tuned. Yep. We'll be posting more on the like social media stuff mm-hmm. about it, so... Yep, that's I'm excited. I've I've started reading an old draft, but and so far it's very good. I that's good. Say, so yeah, stay tuned. Stay so, tuned. Last episode we talked a lot about Pride Month mm-hmm. and we caused a few ripples, didn't we, Sky? So, <laughs> um, how have the last two weeks been managing the social media platforms <laughs> after the last episode? Yeah, you have to ask because you you. I mean, you you like you see it from a distance. Yeah, I see it as I like the, I see the stuff that you post. Uh-huh. I'm not like the one posting it. Right. Yeah, Sky manages all the social media stuff. And you're not on Twitter either. No, I'm so. not on Twitter. Just TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was kind of the perfect storm. So I am. This is my. I've been tapering off one of my my medications, an anxiety medication I've been on for a while, and. This is the first week where I've, I'm completely off of it. Mm-hmm. So I've, ha- I've been having some kind of weird side effects with like brain fog. And I've just been kind of in a weird state of mind. A little mental funk. A little bit. So there is that going on. And then um, I posted a it wasn't even a, it didn't have anything to do with last episode. Actually, it was mm-hmm. an old TikTok that we did uh, or an old excerpt from an old episode. <laughs> Um, about the the uh, topic was are LGBTQ people safe quote unquote in the church? Mm-hmm. I remember was, that one. Yep, that was um, on TikTok. You can do what's called a stitch video um, for those not uh, familiar with t- with TikTok. Essentially, it's you um, are responding to the video with your own video. So mm-hmm. it'll play like the first little part of 
of someone's video and then you'll record your response. Mm -hmm. And this particular clip got the most responses, most critical responses um, out of any of our other our TikTok. So I decided to do a response to it um, and just did like three different versions, one for TikTok, an actual video. And then Instagram, I posted on there mm-hmm. uh, is like a, a slide of a bunch of points that I made. And then I did a, a, t- a tweet thread. Um, and on Twitter, it it um, got a lot of attention from um, I don't know what to call them. Like a lot of them were um, ex-members of the church or just critics of the church in general. Mm hmm. Um, who had a, a problem with with it a lot? <laughs> so, it was it was probably the the worst Twitter mob that I've experienced in a while. Not ever since your viral tweet. Probably since my viral tweet. Yeah. Wow. So, like, what were some of the like patterns in their responses? Um, a lot of it was well, kind of what we're gonna be talking about today. I noticed some patterns of, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Let's just kind of jump into it we we um are gonna be drawing a lot of information from a talk by elder dallin h oaks Mm -hmm. given in 2014 it was called um loving others and living with differences exactly and i needed a lot of reminders this week of how to love others (laughs) (laughs) especially when you have differences yeah because during this i don't know during this time of of pride month um the, it's just kind of, especially with us, we're kind of, unless we just shut up and like don't talk about our lives, we're kind of thrust into the situation where we're on this cultural battle, battleground that I don't necessarily want to be on. I just want mm-hmm. to be open about my life. But it, it thrusts you into this space where you are having to defend your choices from very... um very a lot of times bad actors who come from the crowd like like that crowd who claims to be the most tolerant and loving mm-hmm. but often present the most um virilitude is that a word i use venom yeah they're just very <laughs> venomous people yeah so um there was a lot of that with with the specifically on twitter um with this thread that we posted that i posted and it reminded me of there's this concept in philosophy called the principle of charity. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, when engaging with somebody about some controversial, well, just in, in any instance, when you're having a back and forth with somebody, you um, approach approach all of their arguments in the best light possible and then respond to that version of the argument. So even if they don't make the argument as well as you could you it's you assume the best in the person you assume again the very strongest version of the argument they're presenting and then you engage with that rather than the opposite well that makes sense because then you're arguing more about the ideals like if you don't hold to that charity principle then it becomes probably more character attacks than actual like content yeah discussion so, yeah, and that's that what sense. it becomes a lot on social media where instead of engaging with the idea, it becomes, okay, let me boil down what you just said 
in the most simplistic out of context version of what you said. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll engage with that. Like I'll respond to that. Mm-hmm. Or, or they'll make it like really outrageous or over the top mm-hmm. or push it to an extreme and engage with that when it's like, yeah, they oversimplify or they like hype it up. Way yeah. More. And then, like you said, then they're responding to those things and not what you originally said. Yeah, it, I, I think we've mentioned this before, but it just reminds me of that interview that Jordan Peterson did with Kathy Newman, where he would um, she would ask a question about his book. He would respond, give a very um, detailed, very thoughtful response. And then she would she would say, OK, so what you're saying is and then have a very simplified version that completely misses the point of what he said. Mm-hmm. I, I've like, seen this interview. It's painful to it's watch. It's painful, yeah. but really it's instructive. It's funny how he handles it. He does a really good job of saying, well, no, like, let me repeat myself. If you're not going to actually listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's especially during times like pride month, it can be difficult to, engage with others on in such a contentious field um assuming the best in one another when especially when the other person isn't giving you that courtesy Mm -hmm. so this talk by elder oaks had a lot of good insight into how we can do that Mm -hmm. and it was a good reminder for me and it was good timing we actually decided to do this before that whole twitter mob came Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like good timing to kind of prepare me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, um, president Oaks highlights is Christ's instruction to be in the world, but not of the world that he's not going to remove us from these kinds of situations. Like the solution isn't to hide or Mm -hmm. to put your head in the hole and like not address these things. Um, we can't avoid it. Uh, we're not supposed to run or hide from it, but we need to engage with it yeah it it reminds me of um there's this every now and then in pop like pop culture things there would be this just glimmer of truth that you that Mm -hmm. comes out of nowhere so we've been watching stranger things this the season four um which apparently you haven't seen no i've never seen nope um it's definitely a lot darker this season but um it still kind of carries the story in the way that makes it charming and fun. It's, it's, it's a definitely overhyped series. Like Mm -hmm. with something so popular, it's hard not to be overhyped, but it, it lives up to like, it lives up to what it is. It's, it's really fun. And if you like that eighties nostalgia, I don't know. I don't know why I'm pitching stranger things (laughs) right now, but um, there's this episode, season four, the most recent one. Um, they are talking about the the evil creature, um, Vecna, I think is the name. And they're talking about how a lot of people in the town don't believe that this evil creature exists. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters says something like, how are we supposed to fight the devil if you don't believe that he exists? Um, and it was like one of those moments that made me pause and, and ref- like, wow, that was, that was a good little snippet, little gospel lesson in this, um, show. <laughs> yeah. One, well, and it, it strikes true. Like if you are refusing to acknowledge that evil happens in the world, 
um, then yeah, usually it carries on uninhibited. Yeah. You have to have some amount of understanding of what is out there. Like what is, what depths mankind is willing to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's kind of this misinterpretation, misinterpretation, um, of doctrine within members that we need to completely shield ourselves from evil um, to the point where we don't know what's out there. Mm-hmm. Like there's a balance to be struck. You're, we're, we're not to indulge in these things, but we have to be aware of what's out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I feel like every young adult will wrestle with that as they move out, um, go on a mission or go to college or go to a job somewhere away from their home hometown. Like, it's just like a natural course life takes usually is you'll go get exposed to a lot of things that maybe you weren't exposed at mm-hmm. or exposed to at home. But, it, but it's important because again, we, we need to know like what's going on, but then how do we hold to our beliefs without becoming contentious and defensive? And I, I don't think we're, we're called to be like mean about defending our beliefs, but we are called to say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a commandment that we preach the gospel, that we share it with people, share what we know to be true. So, like, what then is the balance of how do we share without being mean? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of see two sides of the spectrum. Something that we've kind of talked about before, but we're going to kind of elaborate on more this time is just there's those that condone and coddle and endorse and to the celebrate yeah celebrate (laughs) for the sake of like loving and then there are those that like it's hard love and it's nothing it's like nothing but tough love and Mm -hmm. like suck it up you'll you'll get through it that sort of thing yeah or just dismissive and and won't acknowledge that it's as big of an issue as it is Mm -hmm. for people so yeah how do we find that balance yeah well um funny you should ask that's (laughs) something we're gonna talk about Um, there's a a scripture that Elder Oaks mentioned in this Mm -hmm. talk. It's, um, third Nephi 11, 28 through 30. And I read it. Did, did I miss 28? Like, was that one that I didn't read to you? You said we should read that one. Well, so it's important. Yeah. Yeah. When we were planning, we just read through 29 and 30, but Christ is visiting the Nephites right now. And he finds out that they're arguing about how to baptize Mm -hmm. and, so this is his commentary on their argument about how to how to baptize. Okay, that's important context. Yeah. Um, can you read 28? I don't sure. have that here. He said, And according as I have commanded you, thus shall you baptize, and there shall be no more disputations among you, as there have hitherto been. Neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine, as there have hitherto been. Okay, and then 29 says, For verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. Behold, this is my doctrine, that such things should be done away. So a very clear condemnation of contention. Mm -hmm. Picking fights and causing discord. Like, that's... yeah. Wrong angle, wrong approach. That's not how you do this. And and it's important to remember, again, especially in the context of doctrine, where like there's no need for that. There's no need to have arguments about this when we have prophets and apostles to clarify any misconceptions. or And especially when a top, topics like this, homosexuality or just sexuality in general, where like their teachings are very clear. Like what are we arguing about? Yeah. There's no need for the argument. He's spoken 
it's pretty clear. So now it's up to us to learn it and live it. It's like the truth is this third party that we um, observe, observe, learn about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the difference between contention and argument. Um, contention would look like, like on social media, it would be like dunking on each other mm-hmm. on social media and just trying to say the most snarky thing to get the most likes. Yeah, clever quips. Um, which is, especially on like Twitter, which is the, the most um, contentious, I would say. It's just, that's really all it is. Like the more, I don't know why I do it to myself. I need to <laughs> remove myself from Twitter more, but... <laughs> It, like you just get lost in these rabbit holes of, mm-hmm. of people, um, again, assuming the worst in each other, mm-hmm. engaging with the most simplistic, dumb version of whatever idea was presented. And, and, and again, the, just trying to dunk on the other person, say something snarky and get the most likes. Or it will be character attacks. Like, therefore they can just dismiss you if they can claim something terrible about your character or, like didn't you were telling me that you encountered where you just ran out of time and (laughs) an energy to engage. And so you left a lot of threads untouched and it looks like you're either ceding to their argument or that you, what was the other like accusation that you got? Well, yeah, it was. So I I was just completely inundated with all of these different um, arguments. And basically my point was that I, I presented this study Um, that analyzed um, teens in Utah and it took information about Latter-day Saint teens, specifically LGBTQ, and analyzed their mental health, their suicidality, and compared it to um, the non-religious and then like other religions. Mm -hmm. And what it found was that in a lot of cases, those who... um, Again, those who identified as Latter-day Saint, LGBTQ, in most cases did the best. Mm-hmm. So like that's what I was presenting. And I saw so I received a lot of pushback, basically not believing the studies um, and all of these things. And then it's like someone would present something and I, I kind of have to pick and choose what I respond to mm-hmm. because there's just so so much. Um, and so I wouldn't respond to, to someone and then they would the next day or something, they would reply with like, Oh, typical, you're not going to answer this. And then basically take that as I'm conceding their point. Mm-hmm. So it was like, Oh, you're not gonna, you're not going to answer this in the time frame that I gave you. <laughs> that makes me right. <laughs> as if it's your full-time job to manage your uh-huh. Twitter feed. Exactly. <laughs> um, Which is just unfortunate. Cause again, Yeah it's not necessarily the best best platform for having robust, healthy conversations. Yeah. And it's like a little bit ironic because we're putting this content out there because we want to spark a conversation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these platforms that we have are such bad places to have these conversations, Mm -hmm. but it's what we have. Well, and I mean, more so obviously it's a character issue right it's people like not wanting to be good yeah. in, in the conversation because i i've it i found it interesting like reading from the book of mormon some of the patterns like anytime the prophet would go and preach to a wicked people same behaviors like the hecklers would pick at them and try and pick apart their arguments draw their attention to something off topic and 
But I mean, that, that's a pattern that we see in the scriptures. It's just unfortunate when we see it on social media, when we're like trying to have a conversation about ideas and it just becomes a verbal fist fight. And yeah. And who cares the most? Who's the better person mm-hmm. rather than what idea is better? Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens a lot. So I, I know I've shared this story before, so I just want to like just mention it again, but it, I just want to like emphasize that it's possible to have a good candid conversation without becoming contentious um i like uh, referring to the story where i I had a coworker when uh gay marriage was legalized and he came up to me and was kind of gloating of like we won so like when's your church going to change and conform and i was like adultery has been legalized for decades and like we still don't believe that adultery is moral so it's the same like we still think same-sex relations are immoral um, and nothing's going to change about our beliefs we had like an hour and a half conversation just discussing all of these things and and we walked away fine like still having good relations we we had a good conversation lots of back and forth lots of asking questions and i'll never forget what he said when he walked away of like I can see that like your church leaders are like willing to like work with this community and compromise and help in what ways they can. I don't know if that's going to be reciprocated and I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said, but it just stuck with me. Cause it's like after just a couple hours of talking, he kind of realized, wait a minute, you guys are like way more willing to work with these people than they are with you. Um, and it's just like an interesting, I, that, that st- like that experience sticks out to me because mm-hmm. it was so, striking what happened i didn't think anything of it in the moment it was just afterward that i was like wow like we just had a really heated discussion but we weren't trying to get at each other we were trying to understand like wait what do you believe about this why do you believe that and yeah and then honoring each other's right to have that conversation in the public square so anyway it was just a a good representation of some of the principles we've talked about so far well i think the church is probably the um, the best example of an organization attempting to understand the other side and like to bridge that gap with mm-hmm. with the um, the legislation that the church backs that we see that attempts to balance LGBTQ rights and religious rights. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see that very often anywhere else. And the yep. church is kind of at the head of that. Um, and And like you said, it's... I mean, on both on both sides, you'll see kind of this unwillingness to understand, mm-hmm. but it's almost like the the side of um, LGBTQ rights, the um, the benefit of the doubt or like the courtesy of allowing religious people to keep their beliefs is often not extended. Mm-hmm. It's rarely reciprocated. Mm-hmm. The respect and attention that they demand very rarely reciprocated it's like it a lot of people don't understand that our beliefs are just as personal and just as valid important and Mm -hmm. valid to us as as your belief that you should be able to love whoever you want and Mm -hmm. live whatever lifestyle you want which fair enough but like that that courtesy needs to be extended on both sides if we're going to have a productive discussion Mm -hmm. like we need to offer that courtesy so like a a point to kind of illustrate this and it's something that we actually kind of disagree a little bit on and something we discovered while planning this episode of like wait you think differently like (laughs) oh i didn't know that (laughs) doesn't happen that often but it happens yeah 
um, was the idea of would you attend um, a family member's or friend's gay wedding? Mm-hmm. And my, what, what was your well, response first? What started this is like <laughs> I told Sky this, this story and then we realized like, wait a minute, we don't agree on this. And, and again, we don't have to. Like we can mm-hmm. still be friends and work <laughs> on this podcast together even if we don't see eye to eye on this topic. But I just, talking about that um, reciprocation of respect um, for years, I have called my mom randomly and this happened so many times, but the first time I called her and I said, mom, you're not invited to my gay wedding. And she was like, what? (laughs) She was like, are you contemplating pursuing this? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I have no intention of getting married to a man. I was like, but I want you to know that if I did, you're not invited. And she still was like, okay, why are you telling me this? I was like, because I want you to know I respect your religious beliefs that you've taught me since I was a child. And I wouldn't expect you to be there celebrating this union that you see as sinful. I was like, so you're not invited. And it's just kind of become a joke that like over the years I'll call like randomly and just be like, mom, you're not invited to my gay wedding. And she was like, okay, I won't come. (laughs) And... But she came to my uh, my real wedding. <laughs> oh, that's good. To my wifey. That's good to hear. Yeah. But it's just, that that's kind of like my mindset of just mm-hmm. like that mutual respect of like, if it ever came to that, I know my parents' beliefs and I would have no intention or expectation of them coming to celebrate something I know that they don't agree with and don't believe in. And it's just kind of interesting for me to observe other situations where it's like a demand that you be there and you be happy and you celebrate this. And it's like, but it doesn't, line up with their beliefs. Why would I demand that of somebody that's rude? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's kind of like what my pitch was. And then <laughs> well, Sky and, had a different idea. And that's a part that I think we agree on is that I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think you really have the, like the right or even the, um, you, you have the right. You don't have the incentive to, um, to be offended for, for a family member not coming to your gay wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, if you fully understand the religious beliefs that we have, there's not like this visceral need to save us from our beliefs or like emancipate our, our, um, involvement in, in, in a organized religion. That was a weird way to put it. But like, if you, if you truly understand someone's religious beliefs, um, you wouldn't be offended if they wouldn't come to something that you know they don't believe is right. Mm-hmm. So that's where we we agree. I was my my point was that I I don't see a situation where if someone that I love and have a good relationship with, say a child, um, against like admittedly against what I would want for them, mm-hmm. um, decides to pursue a same sex. Uh, relationship and is getting married. I can't see a, a situation where I wouldn't attend that that marriage, because my thing is I want to maintain the relationship, mm-hmm. even though I don't agree with their choice. I want to maintain that relationship so that there can continue to be situations where we can have discussions where truth is discussed. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's making sure we keep up a relationship mm-hmm. so that it there are more opportunities to share truth in the future. Yeah. And then I think of like, um, on the other side, inviting 
those who, uh, like in my family or whatever, who don't believe in the church or even those who think the church is harmful. Like, I don't, I don't really have family members that believe that, but if I did, um, I would want to invite them to my child's baptism, say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at the same time, I would want to invite them. I would like them to come, but I wouldn't be offended if they didn't come because mm-hmm. I believe, like, I can offer them that courtesy of allowing them to believe that what I'm doing is harmful and not wanting to engage with it. Sure. And so, like, further in our discussion, that was, like, where we differed uh, again was just, to me, it's like I wouldn't go to the celebration of the sinful union. I would I'd go to anything else. Of course, I want to keep relations, but my relationship, I hope, with this individual would not be based on their attendance at my wedding um, or mine at theirs. Like, of course, keep relations with people. But to me, it's like, nah, it, it's too much against what what is taught that I was like, mom, you're not invited. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You can sit this one out. I'll come to dinner later, but I I don't want you there. Cause. And if their relationship is good enough, um, that, that, that might be another consideration. Like if the relationship is good enough that you can have candid conversations about, Hey, I don't agree with this, but Mm -hmm. I'm still going to come. Or maybe if the relationship is, um, teetering on the edge, maybe you do go to preserve that. Yeah. I just, so I'm curious then, like, like what do you, like what, what message does it send to you when other members like go to these weddings? The well, reason I asked that is because like growing up, it always confused me. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, why are you going? Like, mm-hmm. isn't it wrong? So like, <laughs> I, I was always confused because I'm like, well then where does that like leave me as the gay person like that wants to follow the commandments? I don't know. So I'm just curious, like how do you interpret that? Is it to keep up relations? Is that like how you've always seen it? Um, I would say so. Like d- it depends on the re- the situation obviously, but, sure. but yeah, I um, like unless the parent say is overtly um, celebrating the, the union, like celebrating um, what they believe, quote unquote, to be sinful in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think I would. Yeah, I thought it was to maintain relationships. And mm-hmm. I think that's how I still see it. Okay. In in a lot of cases, um, not always like you, you'll, you'll have those again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, who are more interested in celebrating or like using their child's sexuality as a way to um, celebrate or, or like gain credibility with a certain crowd and they become mm-hmm. kind of more activist types. And so there, there is that type of parent. And I would say they were, they're going for more, more reasons than just to maintain the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so see, look, we can be nice to each other and not be like, you're dumb. Yeah, well, we'll see when the camera starts or stops rolling. Oh, yeah. That will really be so. like. Um, where should we go from here? So we've talked about the yeah the, the difference between contention and argument mm-hmm. and talked about how to like find that balance. Gave a few examples. 
Um, one of the other things that he highlighted again was just making sure that we maintain our right to disagree. Like mm -hmm. we have to have that um, difference of opinion. The way that he worded it, um, I really liked. He said, let me scroll down to it. Um, we must live with differences. We're vital. Our side of these differences should not be denied or abandoned. But as followers of Christ, we should live peacefully with others who do not share our values or accept the teachings upon which they are based. So again, we just have to make sure that we maintain that mutual respect. Mm -hmm. um, that we, if civilization is supposed to work, we have to be able to disagree. Yeah, and and be willing to um, stand up for our beliefs in a passionate way that mm -hmm. doesn't have to become contentious Yep. because arguments can be like arguments don't have to be contention or contentious. You can, you can have very passionate beliefs and you can be presenting them very passionately, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to derail into contention. Those are, yep. those are different things. Yep. Like I have, I have relationships in my life where we um, disagree um really fundamentally on on really important things such as lgbtq issues mm -hmm. and we can almost in like a joking matter but also this also serious have really passionate disagreements mm -hmm. and then come away from it still being friends mm -hmm. <laughs> and then i have others who if there is any sort of hint at a disagreement it's they retreat into themselves and they are now the victim and there's, there's no getting past that. Mm -hmm. and so again, it becomes more about the person and not about the idea that was right. initially the point of discussion. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just makes me think like the, the individual, those in my life who um, re kind of retreat to that, that, that point of being offended um, I just think to myself, like, are you really happier mm -hmm. and more like, is this healthy to at, at, at any hint of contention or not contention of disagreement, mm -hmm. you retreating into this, um, this, this self victimization. Is that like, are you happier because of that or yeah, I doubt it <laughs> more miserable. <laughs> yeah. And how can we get past this? Yeah. Because it's it's really damaging to a relationship and makes it really hard to get like again have a anything. discussion yeah or have a discussion discussions over at that point we're not talking about again the issue at hand we're talking about something else. It, let me read this quote from the talk. Um, let's see where to go. Even as we seek to be meek and avoid contention, we must not compromise or dilute our commitment to the truths we understand. Mm -hmm. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the covenants we have made inevitably cast us as combatants in the internal contest between truth and error. There is no middle ground in that contest. So, like we've been talking about, everything is a balancing act. But when we give up that fight to find the balance, um, that's when we have lost mm -hmm. like not when we are unable to perfectly find that balance because we'll never be able to but the power comes in seeking to find that balance i guess is yeah. what i'm going with there um something else that kind of came up in our planning too was 
a parallel to the Come Follow Me lesson from this last week as well, where we learned about Eli, the high priest, who kind of fathered and raised Samuel, the, the prophet. But Eli's kind of a tragic story. It's kind of like a, a warning to a lot of parents of like, don't be passive. You need to be actively engaged in teaching the gospel. I would just encourage anybody to go read through that Come Follow Me lesson this week as well. From It's in 1 Samuel chapters like 1 through 3 is what we read this past week, but it goes on a little bit past that. Um, but just about Eli, who was a very passive parent who was told multiple times by the Lord to rebuke his sons and correct their bad behavior at the temple because it was ruining the temple experience for a lot of people. Um, and he just didn't. Over years, it continued, and then unfortunately, Eli and his sons met an unf- uh, a sad end because they wouldn't change course. But it's just a good reminder that a lot of these things, like yes, in the public square, we need to be civil and and uh, live with differences. But remember that a lot of this can be preempted by living a good gospel-centered life at home and teaching our children good gospel principles at home. Um, of course. I'm not saying like being mean and all this tough love at home. That's not what we've talked about at all. But just remembering that parents have a responsibility to teach truth at home. And it would prepare them a lot better for the world if if a lot more people understood the basic truths. Yeah. And not, and not being like a, a passive bystander in um, raising your children. Well, and again, especially when you know what they're doing is wrong. Like Eli's sons were messing with temple ordinances and uh, God does not tolerate that. He does not like it when we mess with temple covenants, marriage, endowment, um, initiatories, things like that. Like when we start tampering with sacred things, it's a no bueno. (laughs) Uh, And it doesn't usually end well for those people in the end. And so, yeah, just a reminder that we're to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ in our homes and teach people to revere sacred things and not not dilute them or corrupt them yeah, for selfish gain. So, And I like the idea of looking at truth as a third party that doesn't have any emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just truth that stands on its own. Um, it's something that we can look at and observe and try to understand. But it, it doesn't have like an agenda mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just well, there. Other than to make you bet your best self. Like, I do believe it has that intent. It's not trying to hurt you. It's not trying to insult you or tear you down. But truth ultimately will make you a better person when you understand it and accept it, even if it stings when you first encounter it. Like, truth, again, that objective capital T gospel truth uh, can only help you in the end. And so just not being unwilling to engage with it, not not running from it like you pointed out earlier, Sky, and being willing to engage in these conversations to find that truth. Mm-hmm. I like the the story that you shared in our planning about the your experience on on the mission. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I shared this on here either, but I was I was on my mission in 2015 and 16, which is when the policy about the children of gay people, whether or not they could get baptized, and all of that was in the media and people were outraged or whatever like side note read the policy saw all the press stuff like policy made sense to me like i I didn't understand the outrage and um because why would you set that child up for like 
you put them under covenant obligation to do certain things and then yeah. put them in an environment where where that's not being most taught. likely it wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, like I, I've seen very rare situations where there has been um, like, a, I don't know, it creates this tension for sure. But there, yeah. there are exceptions. And I think generally speaking, it was yeah. a and positive thing. They don't want to cause problems at home. So if. Yeah, if your parents are not living gospel standards, it puts the child in this weird position to keep a covenant that maybe they're not fully understanding or having the opportunity to keep. So, yeah, anyway, the policy made sense to me. So I just remember that being in the news, though, a lot of like, oh, the gays are being attacked again by this evil church. And we were trying to find a member of our local ward who we hadn't met yet. And we knocked on the door Nobody answered. We start to walk away. They pull into the driveway. It was like that super awkward. Like, do we go back to the front door or do we go around to the driveway? Luckily, he picked for us. He came tearing around the corner and started yelling at us and was just like, I used to be so into this church until you guys did that to the gays. And like, then I'm out. I can't stand this. And I'm sitting there going, dude, I'm gay. Like, I'm in my head. I'm like, I'm I'm gay and I'm fine. And like, I'm not attacked and like. Can I tell, I was like, Heavenly Father, can I please just tell this person? I need, I need him to know that we're not all so wounded by truth. And so, um, the conversation lasted like 20 plus minutes and like we, we talked about other things and calmed down and we're being much more cordial by the end. Um, asked a little bit about why he joined and then why he left and, um, but then we were, it was getting time where it's like, I knew the conversation wasn't going anywhere. So it was time to go. And, um, so I just said like, Hey, like you told us earlier, like it hurt your heart. Can I share a hurt in turn? Um, I was like, look, as a gay member of the church, I'm fine. Like the truth helps. And like, I find community here at, at church and yeah, he tried to like kind of backpedal like, Oh, like, I'm so sorry. Like I support you. And I just remember looking at, I said something that I would never have said otherwise. So I'm like, this was a very inspired thing to say, but I just looked at him and just said, sir, respectfully, you don't know what support means. Like, you don't know what it means to support me. Um, Cause again, I found support at home and in the gospel and at church from um, other members. Like I didn't, the support he was talking about was this fluffy moving target. Like we talked about last week, it was this ally of the gays. That's like a constantly moving target. So I was like, no, you don't know what support is like, thank you for your time. Like, I'm sorry we've upset you and sorry to intrude. I hope you have a great day. But yeah, that stuck with me. Cause I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not support. And again, cordial conversation. I said very bluntly and simply things that we believed. And he aggressively shared his beliefs in turn and we walked away okay being civil neighbors yeah after your mic drop moment um i it just makes me think of of like the pride movement more generally and how the positive aspects of the pride movement the biggest one in my in my mind is that it does provide a sense of community to those who feel ostracized. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think the um the answer to members of the church feeling ostracized, LGBTQ members feeling ostracized, I don't think 
the answer is to look to a third party and like attempt to allow that third party to to provide support Mm -hmm. for us. We should be looking at how we can, within the limits of the doctrine, provide that sense of community within the church. Well, again, the infrastructure is already there um, by divine design that if people just lived it, yeah, it would go a lot smoother. I remember like after my first mission and when I was in a dark place and I remember praying for, for months, like why did this happen and why are some other bad things still happening? Like why did all of these things happen? And I remember having this distinct impression at one point that it was because a few people dropped the ball. They weren't listening to spiritual impressions. And I remember being kind of like stunned by that thought of like, wait, what? I don't think that's true of every situation, but a few specific examples came to mind of like the reason certain things transpired the way they did was because people weren't listening to God. They weren't doing what they should have been doing. And that was just like a good reminder to me of like, shoot, we have impact. Like we really need to live by these gospel principles um, because we are going to have impact whether we want to or not. So it's just how do we maximize having good divine impact on people around us? How do we help people get closer to Jesus Christ? It's by living his gospel. It's always going to come back to that. Yeah. That's kind of been the discussion on social media this week, especially on Twitter, um, on LDS Twitter specifically, is this discussion of, what the pride movement generally, what it represents and what message we are sending to, um, to everyone. If we decide to participate in the movement and what I, I tweeted something that I also put on, on Instagram, my point being we can individually have pure intentions in our involvement with organizations like the pride movement but we don't get to choose what impact that has on especially the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We don't get to choose that. And so we have to, it, like the onus is on us to attempt to understand the pride movement as a whole and what message our involvement with it sends to members of the church, especially gay members and especially young impressionable ones Mm -hmm. who have intentions of living the gospel. Yeah. Who Mm -hmm. won't engage in that lifestyle. It's always strange to see it celebrated and supported. Like, yeah, yeah. It it probably sends a message of we love everyone and we want to support you, which is like the idea of that is not a bad one. The, The idea of supporting someone or loving them, that's a good thing. Um, but again, it comes down to what is, what is it as a whole? Like what is the movement and what is your promotion? You don't get to just pick and choose what aspects of the pride movement, um, you are going to like, you can decide what you're personally going to promote. But again, that whole entire, it's entirety is still a package deal and you have to grapple with that and you don't have control over what others will glean from that. And I loved what you said, too, in that post about, is it going to lead them to Christ or not? Pride isn't Christ's organization. Like, it's not, that's not where they're going to find him. And so, again, just bringing it back to living the gospel of Jesus Christ, setting that example, engaging these conversations so that people have a, an opportunity to find and live by truth. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, Christ already has an organization with the call to love everyone. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need another one. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's much more efficient. Lot, yeah. And it just reminds me too of the scripture. Um, this one. Oh no, I closed it. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I think I took a screenshot. Yeah. DNC 84. I love this one. Um, Neither take ye thought beforehand what ye shall say, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of life, and it shall be given you in the very hour that portion that shall be meted unto every man. I just like that reminder, too. Like, as we're kind of closing this episode, just our little shout out of, like, treasure up the word of God. Get to know the doctrine. Know the truth. Come to know Jesus Christ yourself. And then when you do have encounters with people at work or online or um, at school or whatever situation you may be in and conversations come up, it says that it will be given you that hour, the portion that is meted unto every man, meaning whatever bit of truth that person needs to hear from you at that time, it will be given you what to share and maybe what not to share in those moments. Our job is just to get closer to Christ ourselves and, and understand the doctrine and know it. And then we'll be much more capable of engaging in the public square or in the private circles, again, like we've talked about both, engaging in the public square and in more private family and friend circles. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to know the doctrine and balance grace and truth. I think those yeah. are like the two main points that we always make. Um, because I think it's the two biggest ideas that are missing in our lives. Yeah. Is, okay, know the truth first and then... Once you like, once you have an understanding, a fundamental understanding, you're always learning. But once you have like a good enough understanding, then you figure out how to balance um, sharing that truth while also extending grace. Mm-hmm. So th- like they they go together, and that's what it always comes down to. And yeah. so here we are again, so here we are saying again. <laughs> it again. Stick to the basics yeah. of the gospel. Live it. Come to know Jesus Christ, and then turn around and treat others like he treated you yeah well thank you for listening everyone sorry for the um sorry for blowing your eardrum out there at the end (laughs) just (laughs) a reminder to follow us on our social media and Mm -hmm. um, if you could leave a review on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you're listening that would help us out a lot and And keep an eye out for more announcements and information about forthcoming book yeah and we'll be putting out more information about that and so keep an eye out for that and um buy his book because it's very good so far i can't speak to the whole thing but did i say the title yet it's called this boy and his mother healing from trauma as a gay latter-day saint so and has a very really um mean like really good meaningful artwork for the cover yeah one of my friends did it he did a great job yeah very very much so so keep an eye out for that and We'll see you in the next one.